everybody. Welcome to The Map, the mental health and addiction podcast. We have a great show for you today. I'm here as always with um, the amazing Andy Bernstein and our incomparable Kristen Perry Long. We are also, we've got uh, Michael Weber at Foxborough Cable Access TV in studio. So um, thanks everybody for being here and joining us. We've got a great guest today. Um, Yosef Yisrael, I hope I said that right. Um, we'll be talking to him in, in just a few minutes, but first we wanted to, we've got, um, this coronavirus thing. We wanted to, uh, kind of touch on that first. We've kind of got our own, um, case study here at home. We wanted to talk to, um, our own Andy, who was struggling quite a bit yesterday. And we thought it would be great to share his experience and kind of what he did to get out of the fear that comes from from this uh, from this virus and the things that are going on in the world today. It's a very scary place to be. So, um, Andy, why don't you give us a little t- taste of what's happened? It was pretty interesting yesterday. And, and I've been pretty good about holding on to this, but, um, you know, dealing. But yesterday I got freaked. Um, I started hearing about the death toll and all that's been going on. And it really waked me out um, thinking about, life and my, you know, my mortality and, 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 you know, God forbid I get sick. It, it really, it really freaked me out. And I, uh, I ended up, um, you know, uh, getting anxious and, um, I ended up going for a, a long walk. Um, and I ended up, uh, reaching out to people and calling people. And then I made the mistake of watching the news. Mm-hmm at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. How'd you sleep? <laughs> I didn't. Right. I didn't. And, um, and it was pretty stupid to do that, but it's like, I want to hear, but I don't, I don't want to bury my head in the sand, but at the same time, you know, it's, uh, it's reality. So how do you, so how do you, how do you deal with that? Right. So kind of my plight yesterday kind of freaked me out. So, you know, I was telling you, Kimberly, about it. And, yeah. uh, and so, you know, so that's, that was kind of my issue. And, um, you know, I'm sure everybody's going through something similar, I would think. And if you're not, I think you're lying. <laughs> because. <laughs> Did, did you feel sideswept? Do you feel like it was just like it was it came on slow, or do you feel like it just kind of hit you all of a sudden? Uh, it, it, I had known it was there, yeah. But when you start hearing the sheer numbers, yeah, it's a ton of people, mm-hmm. and it's really scary, right? And. I don't think, any, obviously, nobody's had this in our lifetime. And I, I think what really pissed me off is, you know, if I listen to our president, whether good or bad or whatever, you know, trying to blow smoke and not being not honest. Not go political now. <laughs> What's that? I'm just kidding. No political, nothing political on the, on the show. I was just kidding. Yeah, yeah but what, hold on, hold on. When your president gets on and says, if... uh we, if I, if more than a hundred thousand people die, then I did a terrible job. Like who says that? That's what he said. Uh, yeah, I know. There's, we all have opinions about the president. Let's, let's like, I'm just saying this. No, but, but for the people that, you know, 
are, are like Andy, that it gets in your head. When you say that a hundred thousand people, and then you've got medical saying that we're not going to get out of this with less than 240,000 deaths. Like that's overwhelming. That's the weight that we cannot carry. Which is where Andy went, right, Andy? Yeah. And, and not only that, but we also have strong connections to New York city. Yeah. So what did you do? Hun? What did you do? Um, well, you know, I did my walk. Um, we ordered pizza, mm-hmm. pizza That's uh, which is always cool from Bertucci's and, um, plug and, um, you know, and that was cool, you know, but, but I didn't sleep and I'm, you know, I'm talking last night to my wife. She's sleeping. She's not even paying attention to me. I'm just talking to myself. I'm walking around the house because I have anxiety anyway. Right. I have stress and anxiety anyway. And then you combine that with being stuck in the house, combined mm-hmm. with, you know, this bad news and stuff. So, yeah, I was pretty freaked. Now, today, I'm better because um, I talked to a really close friend of mine last night, right before, you know, and, and that really helped me mm-hmm. cope. So, you know, I'm trying to do things. But then you see Chris Cuomo, who's, <laughs> who's on TV, who has the coronavirus. So, you know, so if I, if I stay, if I bury my head in this, not bury my head, if I tune out, I'm okay. But when I watch, that's Mm -hmm. when I get into trouble. Right. So is there a happy medium, right? Chris, go ahead. So what I have found that has worked for me, right, is focusing on the things that we can control. Yeah. Right. So you can control how much TV you watch. Yes. Pick a news station and stay mm-hmm. with it. Don't mm-hmm. channel surf. There's too much information spread differently with different emphasis. And it messes with our mind. I was just talking with a good friend today. Uh, she's making masks here in town. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually picked up a couple for myself because I go out and I go grocery shopping and so on and so forth. And I'm upping my game. I'm wearing gloves and I'm wearing a mask now. And, you know, she said that she's talking to nurses and, 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 and that are calling in asking for these masks and the stories of what these, these men and women are facing is overwhelming. And she's like, I feel myself unraveling. Right. And, you know, and it's like, I can't control it and I don't want to not listen to them, but I don't want to listen to them because it's more than I can personally handle. Right. You know, sometimes you need to give somebody permission to say, it's okay to say, I can't handle this. Absolutely. You know, and and they need that. So Andy, I give you permission for turning the TV off. You know, Mm -hmm. I do what you can handle. I have no sports right now. That's part two of this. So sports has always been a way to cope with stuff, a diversion. I have no, you know, it's like, but yes, I do need to turn the TV off. I was listening to Brene Brown the other day, and she was talking about, I'm going to say it five times in this podcast, turn off the TV, turn off the TV, turn Mm. off the TV. Yep. But yet you flip around any channel. Then it's there. I could watch the Tiger King, you know, which is just a bizarre thing. But 
you know, I can't, I know I, I'm not alone in this whole thing that other people are experiencing it. I guess for me, and I guess the way I'm made up is I'm ready to come out swinging the next day, right? Like, okay, you're not going to beat me. It's not going to mm-hmm. beat me. So I'm going to, you know, just, bear, you know, conquer down. But, you know, I would imagine for a lot of people, especially in people in recovery or people, you know, we were talking, Kimberly, you were saying earlier, you know, um, this is such an isolating, you know, with addiction, it's such an isolating disease. Right. And we, and we need, and as, yes, you're right, Andy. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine and she was telling me that the people at her house and they're all, it's a sober house. So they're all in recovery. They're dropping like flies. And those were her words, dropping like flies, not, not from the coronavirus, but, but they're relapsing because they're, they're, they can't have, they're being stripped of the the ability to connect with someone face to face, to go to meetings that are where you have human connection and human bonding and holding hands and hugging. And you just, you know, without it, it's the piece of our, of recovery that is critical to long-term sobriety. So um, it's very sad. So that's happening too, you know? And, and, you know, and I was reading an article on NPR, they were uh, on NPR.com, they were talking about, um, you know, it's really affecting people because a lot of the isolation and the, not the ability to get, you know, they can get medicine, you know, uh, methadone or suboxone or whatever, but they don't have the meetings or the things behind it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that a lot of the treatment centers are closed. So I don't know what you guys think of that, but that kind of seems like a recipe for the disaster. Yes. What for the for the treatment centers to be closed? Yeah, and and that you can get your medicine, but you can't go to like meetings or. You know. Well, there the one thing they have done, and, and I, I know it's always good to be solution oriented. So the 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 answer to that is, and we all kind of just have to buckle down, is the Zoom meeting. So. Almost all of the AA meetings that at least that I'm uh, aware of have been moved to an online format. And then there's um, websites like in the rooms where you can just, you can just jump on to a meeting almost any time of the day. So it's almost, and I've heard many people say, Oh, I've gone to more meetings since this thing hit than I've ever been to. Yet they hang up. They're still alone. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I'm doing teletherapy, right? But I did it yesterday. And uh, it was terrific. It was yeah. really good. Yeah. Having that. And so I'm like, I'll come back for another day. <laughs> right. Why not? I mean, it's, um, you know, why not? And it was, uh, find it, found it very helpful, um, that human, human engagement, right? Mm-hmm. But yet I'm walking on the street and I'm doing what? Well, and everybody's on the street. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. Everybody's walking. Everybody. Yeah. The dogs are going, I don't want another walk. Leave me alone. Stay away from me (laughs) because we have our our social, our our social distancing. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a weird, uh, nonetheless, I mean, to kind of keep it in full bloom or full bloom, full circle, it, 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 it affects everybody. And I would imagine, you know, all these feelings are, all natural, you know, so try to cope at one, at at some, on some level, and then you might break down on the other level. Right. 
Yes. You know what else is good that I found is just to take a deep breath and to find your, you know, find your happy place. Do a meditation. I know it sounds, you know, pretty kind of old hat, but it's true. If you can just get to a place, if you start feeling anxiety, just start, you know, make yourself relaxed and maybe put on a YouTube meditation for a couple minutes and just breathe and center yourself, get back to it, get back to present. And remember that everything's okay right now. And all you can do is what you can do. So can do what you can control, you know, try to be, um, you know, as, as positive as possible, those type of things. Are there some apps or things that people can, um, can you recommend some apps that people might want to tap into? Um, Calm. It's called Calm, C-A-L-M. Mm-hmm. Um, it does all of these very cool sounds, uh, water, you know, bubbling brooks, uh, the ocean. Um, I think it costs something, but I'm not sure. I don't think it's that expensive. Um, but there are definitely, if you put meditation, you know, you can do it on Pandora, you can do it on who, mm-hmm. on, uh, whatever the other one is there, but yes, there's plenty of, of, if you just put meditation, yeah. uh, sounds, you'll find it. And, and and I think they actually have a free version too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, but I think that's really important in these apps. Then, um, but how do you? I guess the question is, how do you get yourself to that point in the place where you're like, I'm going to get out of my own head and I'm going to go meditate. So that's what it's called. So I was at a thing for. Um, Newport Academy, which is an adolescent program in Connecticut. Actually, they're all around the world. Anyway, this uh, Tim Ringhold is the guy that does the music aspect of uh, the programming. And what he said, I sat at a seminar for him and it was amazing. And I actually signed up and he's got all kinds of free stuff. I'll, I'll give it to Kimberly to put on the page. Um, And what he said is, you know, our brains become hijacked and we don't even realize that we're being hijacked. So you have to find what works for you to unhijack your brain. So what he does with these kids is that he helps them find the kind of music that can unhijack their brain. So like, I like, like I like, um, Creedence Clearwater, right? It, it immediately, calms me down, start singing the words. And before you know it, your brain going from, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, to the song, you've unhijacked your brain. Right. That's very similar to the, to the, um, to the autopilot theory too. Oh, our guest is here. (laughs) Our guest is here. Hi. Hi. Um, no, let me let me grab my headphone piece. Give me one second. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, just to finish up with that, it's like the autopilot thing. We go on autopilot, and a lot of us in the program will say, "When you're on autopilot, you react to triggers. That's it." And so unhijacking your 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 brain is beautiful. I love that. So before we get started with Yosef, would you to sum it all up, Chris and Kimberly? What would you say from this discussion? What would you say the key points are about getting out of your own head and being um you know trying to take this all 
in stride. Okay. Uh, I would say that to, to, to turn off the TV, one, <laughs> and find what works for you to bring you back to a place of um, serenity. That's all. You've got to figure it out, whether it's music, um, not TV. Just don't don't get too caught up in what's ha- what people are saying. you got to pick one, like Chris said, pick one uh, place where you're going to get your information and leave it at that. It'll, it'll do you a world of good. Um, I, I would say that, you know, start either making a physical list of things that are your, I hate the word trigger, but you don't just go into panic. You're, you can feel your heart rate getting um, faster mm-hmm. when anxiety kicks in. Uh, some people have a hard time swallowing. They get dry mouth. Whatever your signs, your physical signs are, make a mental note and have that list available for you to, you know, uh, unhijack your brain. What is it? If it's, you know, surfing, watching news, you know, put that on your list. Cause eventually what's going to happen, you're going to stop watching the news and something else is going to set you mm-hmm. off. So you need to have that list so that you can say, okay, well I've moved to the next thing that's going to hijack. Cause it's human nature, you know, to constantly know what's going on. So uh, you can work yourself up into a tizzy and and we're going to get to Yosef. who's going to talk to us more about this as well and kind of his take on things. But interestingly, last night I worked myself up into such a tizzy. I thought I I had the virus, right? I, I had coughing issues. I was like, Oh my God, I have it. Right. Cause I'm a neurotic person anyway. Right. So, neurotic. <laughs> so I worked myself up in last night. And it's interesting how your mind can affect your body reactions too. Today I'm better, like I said, but um, all good advice. And um, so we're going to, you know, hopefully we'll post this on Facebook and our some more of this information. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's meet our next, our first guest. Our only guest is Yosef. <laughs> Yosef, interesting story I was telling Kimberly. He's, he lives in where I grew up in my hometown of Baltimore. Pikesville, yeah, but Pikesville, Maryland is yep. it. Um, I went to Pikesville High School, and Yosef lives there now. He is actually from Jamaica. Jamaica, but, yeah. Yeah, Jamaica. Jamaica. <laughs> he went to the Berkeley um, Music Conservatory School of Music. Oh, um, sing it! You got any music for us? Bring I'm something a, to the table. I, I usually tell people I'm a background singer way in the back. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Yosef is actually his story is really interesting, and he actually has a book that he wrote called unlimited me imagine me unlimited imagine me unlimited so um we had him on we wanted him on to talk about kind of mental tough you know not mental toughness but kind of looking at life um in a different perspective and learning about his book and um he does a lot of different things so you know we'd like to hear your story yosef well it's great to to be here and to meet all of you this is just awesome I, I'm looking at the background. I'm, I'm the only one without an interesting background. Um, no, Kimberly, too. I don't have to ask you one. <laughs> no, no. Actually, actually I, I beg to differ. Kimberly 
uh, it looks like you have an anchor on your wall, <laughs> which, which is actually symbolic of what we're trying to find right now. Oh, yeah. there's the rest of the there's the rest of the view i don't know if you can oh see that. that's awesome so yeah <laughs> so, so so there's your anchor right there your anchor is pointing you to outside where, yeah. where, where there's also a view of serenity um just like, like andy has his view of serenity um and uh, i'm on top of the world exactly you know it's like your 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 head is so positioned right on top of the world like you are above all this right and, and, and I think not, it, it's, it's <laughs> I think it's the, it's the way we, we see things or perspective um, on how we view uh, current situations. You know, uh, I do ha have uh, experience in working in a hospital. I've been a respiratory therapist for 25 years now. Oh. And um, so you can imagine that um, I didn't escape into retirement before all this happened. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Uh, this is, uh, we're on the front lines of all this. And basically, right now, we're seeing uh, a lot of tension from uh, staff as well as patients uh, who are just really unnerved by all this that's happening. And I think the, the biggest issue is that um, we're not understanding exactly what's really happening. Mm -hmm. and people are searching for answers. We are searching for answers. We're actually confused. Like, this is behaving very unusual uh, in terms of what we know a, a virus should behave. So <laughs> so my colleagues uh, were, were talking, and they said, well, we really don't know what this is. But I think what's happening to us is that we are so involved in the process of management and treatment that we barely have any time to reflect on the bigger picture, so to speak. But from a perspective of, of a medical approach to treating patients and in emergency situations, there are uh, two basic approaches that I use and I've seen other uh, medical people use as well. And one of the things we, we, we normally do is try to remain calm, okay, because Remaining calm allows you to to have a more clarity of thinking. If you get all um, engrossed in, in, in the process and what's happening, you lose uh, the ability to to function more connected, cognitively, to, to, to process and to, to really understand. So basically what we do is we, we take what we've been trained to do, all the information that we have, and we ask the question, what's going on here? What is happening here? And by asking those questions, we try to sort of focus our mind into the solution process. Mm -hmm. So we tend to be try to be solution oriented above the chaos, because sometimes there's an emergency and there are 20 people in the room. Um, one of the things that we try to do is to limit the amount of people that are in the room. If you're not essential, for being in the room at the moment, then, you know, you step outside and if we need you, we'll, we'll actually call you. So we try yeah, to in control. The hospitals yes. talking about? Yes. yes. Okay. So okay. we try to control the situation. So okay. let's speak in, on, a, on a microscopic level of, of how we handle chaos. Right. We, we would try to do it in an organized way and do it with information and trying right. and getting results. Okay. So the, the first approach then is, is being solution oriented. 
Okay. What can we do about this? What information do we need? Um, and you were talking about the television. I don't have a TV. I've got my TV years ago. <laughs> and it's been like a great decision. <laughs> Although we're on Foxborough Cable Access. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I found that it's been a distraction for me. And um, how I get my news is from other people. Or I just maybe just jump on YouTube or jump online if I really want to find out something. But I find that, especially at work, I might be in a patient room or in the in the break room, and they have a, a TV in there, and the information comes on. That's how I get my news. Um, in this kind of uh, environment, in this with this situation with the coronavirus, I get more information because I I tend to watch what's on the news at work, and also we have these huddles with updated information. So we're basically focusing on solutions okay what's going on what do we know about this and how can we uh protect ourselves and what do we need to do, do on our part right so, so what are you telling what do you find yourself ending up telling the people who are panicking and what have you as a like how do you help them find the solution well 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 the, the thing is that number one you have to have patience and mm. we, we have to do research we have to find information and we, we're trying to look at the science of it. What are we getting from the scientists? What are we getting from the doctors? The information that we have. So, like, I think you were saying not to listen to so many different sources because that can, And we try to limit all that stuff coming from different directions, mm-hmm. you know. So we try to focus on what we focus on is is the information we're getting from work, from, from our colleagues, from uh, the, those that are connected. So, yeah, exactly. So, see what we're seeing clinically, those right. kind of things. We're looking at those kind of things and trying to form a picture of it. So it's a process that we're going through. We're, we're not at the end of it where we say definitively, this is the deal. But we, we have to understand that you have to have patience going through the process and understanding because some people want answers right away. And we mm-hmm. certainly want answers right away. You know, and I was even up this morning looking at some research on um, the how do you mechanically ventilate someone on, on a life support system that's been exposed to carbon monoxide poisoning because maybe that's one of the approaches that we may need to use in helping these people recover. So I'm looking for information, I'm searching for information, but there's a process in that and patience is required you know, in, in that process. Sure, sure. Yo- Yosef, quick question. Yeah. Have you seen this COVID 19 app that they have developed and that they're asking uh, people to do? And it's a uh, it's a platform for them to collect information. Have you have you heard anything I mean, about that? No, no, I haven't. It's been all over the news. Really? Yeah, we haven't. Um, like I said, my uh, information has been coming directly from uh, the. I'm, I'm at Johns Hopkins, so. There's been information that's been disseminated throughout the hospital. Uh, we are so focused right now on protecting ourselves. That's one of the big things. Sure. Um, because because we we there's a lot of our colleagues that are concerned about that, and and the rules keep changing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, every day it's a different rule. Okay, well we're doing this this time. And this is so. It's so sort of like day to day what we learn, we try to adapt as we go. So we're not there yet, but we're making progress and getting there. I have a question, Yosef. You, in your in your book, you talk about positive thinking and um, and how to 
how to change your, your brain to do that, to, to stay focused on the positive and that type of thing. How, do, how would that apply to um, what's happening today? So, so I, I think that um, we're influenced by what we're exposed to. Mm, absolutely. So, so, so the kind of information, if you want to think in terms of a, a child and what they're exposed to, and you can have two children in two different environments, one exposed to negative and one exposed to positive, and you have a, a different result at the end. Um, I, what I do, I try to listen and, and sort of expose my mind to things that are positive. Mm-hmm. Okay. I try to filter people that are negative out, <laughs> keep them at a certain distance. Yeah. So there's a chapter in my book called rules of engagement. And, and um, what I, what I talk about is, is actually sort of like having your filter where you have these boundaries and you sort of have to keep negative things or negative people from invading that space. And, and, and one of the, one of the techniques that I use in protecting myself is how much information I give out to someone about what I'm doing, what my goals are, some of the plans that I have, especially if I know that person is a negative thinker, is a naysayer, someone who is going to throw water on my fire to put it out. Um, so the exposure, the exposure to uh, your environment and people around you, you have to become aware of the things, whether it's from television, whether it's from a person, uh, an environment that you find out that pulls you down, that drags you down. You can use different things, music, positive. Sometimes I used to listen to um, positive YouTube videos on my way to work in the morning and put them all to reinforce. I have a set list of positive, you know, YouTube videos that reinforce those things in me. And I expose myself to that and it energizes me. Yeah. Do you think that um, that's a big key? That's a big piece of it is actually remembering, like you've got to stay conscious about these things. Or you're not going to remember to do it because we hear it and we go, that's great. And then we forget about it later. So I think there's something to the idea of repetition and and, yeah. and constantly getting those things, you know, not just once, not just twice, but daily, like making it a part of your routine. Yeah, my, my one of the, the things that I do is I have a an erasable board that I write these things down. So what, what one at one time what I used to do is I have an an easel with an erasable board in my bedroom. So the first thing when I get up and I look, I see <laughs> all those positive things to remind me to stay on track because. If I have it in my phone or something, it, it's not very much visible to me. So I, I, sometimes for me, I need something right in front of my face as I open my eyes to see, okay, remember, this is what, what you are. This is who you are. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to focus on to, to, to bring you back into that focus. Yeah. Right. And if you don't have a writable board, whiteboard, get a post-it note, get colorful yeah. post-it notes and stick them on your mirror. Exactly. Uh, accountable accountability mirror is something that I read in a book. I can't remember the name of the book, but it's you set goals for yourself. So Andy, for instance, today I'm going to only try to limit myself to 15 minutes of news or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's on your mirror and you can't take it off your mirror until you achieve it. Right. Right. So it's, it's accountability. Right. Yeah. You, you can be creative in, in, you know, whatever works for you, because what works for me might be different than what works for you. So knowing yourself, you know, and and what, what will work in your, in your favor will help you to form a plan 
to keep you on track. Yeah. It, it sounds to me like you have been reading your story and hearing you speak and your process. You are dem- obviously have a lot of mental toughness and resilience. <laughs> Where does that come from? Where did you, uh, How'd you uh, get there? <laughs> so I, so I, growing up in Jamaica, I, I think that I'm not sure if it's the environment or what that is, but f- from, from a child, I had this, this thing inside of me that I, I just won't quit. You know, there, there's something inside of me. I, I don't know if it's something that was born inside of me, but I would just seem to have always been that way that I think sometimes adversity helps you because I've been through a, a lot of adversity and sometimes you feel like you want to quit. And, but, but sometimes also having someone there, you, you need a network. You need to have someone, a support system, someone who believes in you that will see you. And I've had people sometimes once in a while will come and say something to me that sticks. No, you know, you, 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 you're like this, you know, you need to change that behavior because, and I'll, I'll be mad at first, <laughs> like anger, but I always appreciate the truth and I'll, I'll, I'll always be introspective and thinking about how I can change myself, how I can become better. I always, for some, I think when I was in my teenage years, I started thinking about how I can improve myself, how I can become better and what I need to do. And I kind of maintain that. I think also the adversity helps me grow. I think sometimes we look at adversity as, why am I going through this? I, I hear stories of my, my parents when they were growing up. They had to walk for miles to, to, to get water and walk back. They didn't have shoes. And I think about those stories and I say, you know, I really don't have an, a, a, a ground to complain Right, because my parents had it so much more tougher than I did, and so they'll tell you stories when you try start to complain. They'll tell you when I was growing up, I didn't have this. And I said, you know, I should just be quiet. <laughs> and, and so you're and, grateful. Yes, grateful. So I think gratitude. Mm-hmm. When you see, even though you may be in a in a situation that is adverse you can always look and see someone who is going through more adversity than you are. And sometimes yeah. they're so much more cheerful and appreciative of just being alive. I think yeah. having life and health, being able to move, to being able to get up and to move, we take for granted so much. Each breath we take, how many breaths have we take since morning, since we got up, since we were, we're awake and we take each one for granted. We don't realize that nothing is promised to us. You know, so, so even when I was going through homelessness, I somehow felt like, well, maybe I'm going through this for, maybe I'm bearing this for somebody else. Maybe I'm, I'm learning this to help somebody. I, I, I put a spin on it in order to realize that my adversity is probably to help someone who may not have survived something like this. So I'm going through it because I'm strong enough to go through it. So the way I view things is, is helps me go through those challenges. What were you going to say, Chris? So, you know, you say like people that are more challenged and uh, somebody that comes to burn to, to mind is a young boy who lived in my town. His name was Sam Burns. 
-hmm. and he was born with progeria. And I had the pleasures of really getting to know Sam before he died um, at 17. And he was always happy. He always had a smile on his face. His outlook in life was so positive and so giving. Why? How do people, you know, I always like go, go back when I start feeling sorry for myself. It's like, wait a minute. You know, this kid knew he was going to die. He didn't know when. He knew he probably wasn't going to get past 20. Yet, every time you saw him, he smiled. He always had something positive to say. His insight into his young life was so profound that it's just like, why? Why does God put those kind of people in our lives? Um, I think about... You know, I think God put those people in our lives for inspiration, to help us. And everyone is here for a reason. And maybe your meeting this person was to help you get over a challenge. Mm. That maybe it's possible that you may not be able to come through it without having that experience from this person. And I think about... The, the very process by which we arrive here. Okay, the, the, you think of the whole biological process. Mm-hmm. You're complete, competing against millions, mm-hmm. okay? And one sperm get to that egg and fertilizes it, okay? And all these biological processes that reconfigure themselves throughout that to, to make, to, to form you, mm-hmm. you've already won. Yeah, no, I, you're right. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. And, um, and I agree with Chris. There's a, um, there's a place in the book that says accept and acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. It, mm-hmm. it really, if you, if you just accept what's going on and that's a, and you know what, for me, that comes from faith. That's a, that's a, that's my faith. It's what I believe and what I believe generally comes to fruition. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So exactly. because, because I believe it. Exactly. Um, so there, we would get very philosophical into that, but I, but I, but I think that acceptance and gratitude are two big, huge pieces of the puzzle for for all of us. Absolutely. But in it, no, I was going to say, but resiliency can it be taught, or is it innate? It, it can be taught. It, it, can, be taught. it can be <clears throat> because um, it can be taught in different ways. Like for example, someone who plays sports. Um, sport is about winning, you know, uh, about teamwork. Uh, you, you can teach a, a person about coming back from defeat, coming back from adversity. It, it's the battle of the teams, you know, going at it time after time and giving it your best. And even when you give it your best and you lose, you're still not down. You're still going to come back and try again. I think sports is a good way that teaches people how to be resilient mm-hmm how to move forward and to recover from defeat. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Resi- yeah. Resiliency is something that we can, like you said, can be taught. Um, and it can be, I think a piece of it can be innate, right? We're born with yeah. it. And, yeah. uh, and I also think that adversity is, is also a piece of that. So kind of comes adversity from- is necessary. Adversity yeah. is necessary. It's how you view the situation because on, I, I think I said in my book, on, on the side of every adversity, there's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you look for the opportunity. There's an opportunity 
to serve. There's a lot of people who are stepping up to the plate now in this kind of adversity, and they're not thinking, "Oh, look at what's happening," and they're they're focusing on 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 that. They're focusing on solutions. Would they, you agree it's a decision, Yosef? Like it's it is. It, it is a decision. It it is a decision. Um, I I I spoke to kids in in Boston a couple months ago about reality uh, because the way I view reality is not necessarily what you can see physically. What you can see physically is evidence. Okay. So I can't see your thoughts, but your thoughts are real. I can't see an idea, but your idea is real. I mean, we're using a computer, using this application. These were all thoughts before they became this physical thing. Right. So the way I view my thoughts are more reality because you can destroy the, the, the thing. You can destroy the phone, but someone can make it again because the idea is still there. The knowledge is still there that you can't physically see. So when uh, someone does something, you know, you, have your parents ever said to you, what in the world were you thinking? <laughs> you know, because, because they know some thought went through your head and then you did something that they can see and say, oh, so you were thinking about this kind of thing. So I think in terms of thoughts as reality and the way you view things, the way you view a situation, the way you view adversity can determine how you cope with it or whether you find a solution or not. Right. Right. Like the silver lining. Absolutely. Exactly. Andy, you were going to say something? Uh, So to back up for a second, we talked about people, uh, negative people and having that filter. What would you say for you, because I'm, I'm imagining it's different for everyone, but what would you say um, are the things that turn you off or the things that are, are, the, are the triggers for you to say this person isn't the right person for me to be around? So I screen people based on just listening to the way they talk. Um, when you want to share something with someone and they start to talk negative like ah no that's 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 crazy or you know just the way they talk their general attitude um how they care themselves can tell you their mindset so there there's certain words that the the people will use i can't oh that doesn't make any sense you, you don't know things like that that will tell me that that person is a negative thinker and not to share my ideas with this person. Yeah, how they, what, what they do in their lives. Are they growing or not? You know, if you talk to them, what have they been doing for all this time, all these years? Are they still doing the same thing? Are they consumed by just casual entertainment? Or are they focused on self-growth? Yeah. You know, things like I that. I like that, that piece how you said um, that you will th- then not share anything with that person. Right. That's that's interesting. So because some people just say what's going on, they don't care what the other person thinks. But that's not really it. It's it's about the interaction that you're having with that person, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because because what you're trying to maintain is a, is a a state of growth. I, I I think about it as you know you're planting a garden, and you have these beautiful trees, fruit trees that you're growing, and you want someone who comes into your field to have this attitude that they want to help you grow. They want to help you grow the garden and, and, and push you to become better. 
You don't want someone coming and just sort of start picking your fruit and stomping on top of you, <laughs> all the work that you've done, sure. you know. To that point, just there's also the other side, though, too. So, so on the opposite end of that, well, what about the people who need help? Like, what about those people? Because we run into it all the time in recovery. We take people on who have that, who are negative, who don't know what they're doing. And we t- try to teach them how to be positive, how to become sober and, and all that good stuff. So, so what about that aspect? Well, for people who you're trying to help, I mean, you, you can help people without your, yourself being invaded by that mm-hmm. stuff. You see yeah. what I'm saying? You still have to have your buffer zone. But at the same time, you're using your knowledge to help people people grow. I think, uh, and I don't have experience in helping people with any mental issues or anything like that, but my approach in helping people that have asked me, oh, Yosef, why don't you, um, you know, um, give me ideas about what I should do with my life. Tell me about what I should do. You know, I should improve my life. Now I'll tell them things, but also I gauge that person in their involvement, their effort, because it takes effort from that party to help you help them, right. you know, because you, you can't do it on your own. You need to have them make some effort as well. And they need to understand that effort is required. Okay. No, so Good. If you see them make an effort, it, it kind of motivates you and help you to, to get them to where they want to go. Right. Like, what do you need help with? Well, I need he- like, giving a defined answer of what I need help with. So you can actually help the person rather than, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, or nobody will help me. I hate when people say that nobody's going to, nobody can help me. Right. Right. Did you you ask? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't really know. Well, then how can I help you? You don't even know what you need help with. Right. But on the, on the flip side of that though, Andy is like, I think, we all have qualities, different, strong qualities. Um, some are learned behaviors, you know, like Yosef said that, you know, uh, you do the studies. Well, I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been helping people for 10 years with substance abuse problems. Okay. And I've learned over the years through my life experiences, what works and what doesn't work. Okay. But that's not for everybody. Right. So you kind of have this melting pot of information that, you know, what works for one person might not work for the next and so on and so forth. So, and, and you saying that you don't help people that have mental problems, probably not like the big major mental problems. Mm-hmm. But if somebody comes into you with a respiratory distress type of thing, they're going mental because they can't breathe and, you know, they look to you. So, what you what you tell them and how you treat them helps their mind, which right. ultimately helps them physically. So I think we all, you know, in in what we do, uh, it's just a big melting pot of of everything. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, you know to that point, uh, I think when we alleviate someone's distress, their respiratory distress that helps them calm down. Right. Because it, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a valid um, behavior. If someone is having problems breathing, they, they are allowed to go crazy and freak out. Right. Uh, what, what we have to do is to remain calm 
and just attack the issue right away because we know what the solution is right. <clears throat> and that helps us you know it's your i think your job is probably more difficult <laughs> because in, in in the sense that it, it, it's a longer process for you to go through and to go through all the different stages to help that person for us we have medication we have drugs we have equipment that we can just okay leave the, the, the fix this person in like five minutes you know um but yeah they're allowed to go crazy because it's it's a scary thing when you when you can't breathe uh, but i i think in terms of uh, as i'm talking i'm thinking in terms of maybe finding purpose i think if people can find purpose for their existence mm -hmm. why am i here and these are, have been my big questions that brought me to a certain level of consciousness. Like, why am I here and what is my purpose? What am I doing here? What is my value? And I think people, if, they, if people can find value in who they are, they've gone through substance abuse and that takes away their self-esteem, that takes away their value and, and some self-worth. So if you can restore their value, why are you here? You're special, you're unique. Nobody else has your fingerprint. Right. If I lock my phone with my fingerprint, I'm the only one that can open it. So it means that I'm unique. There's something about me that's unique, and I and everyone that is born has a new you as a responsibility to leave a positive fingerprint in the world. I personally believe that everyone that is born and is capable should write a book. <laughs> I think you should write a book because someone. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone is going to go into a library and they're going to pull your book and they're going to want to know what your thoughts were of the world. How was your life? What did you think? What were your feelings? How did you see the world? What was your right. perspective? Because they can connect to that. Exactly. So these are topics that are also discussed in the book, mm -hmm. right? In your book? Yes. Where can people actually get the book? So the book is at my website, imaginemeunlimited.com. It's also on Amazon. If you uh, search for Imagine Me Unlimited, the book okay. will come up uh, on my name. Um, and BookLogix is my publisher. If, you know, people don't necessarily go to that website to order books, but if they want to, they can. Booklogix.com. Okay. And, um, yeah, pretty much that's where, where the book is, is sold. Planning on writing another one, or do you have anything in the works? I do have another book that I'm writing. Um, it's about social dynamics between cultures. I don't want to give away the title just yet, uh, but it's um, it should be pretty interesting. It's it's a little bit more serious about it's about how we treat each other based on our cultural influences and our backgrounds. That's really deep. You're a Renaissance man. You do, <laughs> you do a lot of different things. Um, yes. It seems like they're all interconnected. Yes, on a lot of levels, whether it's breath or it's you know music. We didn't even get to talk about your music, but music and all the things that you do are really intertwined. If you really, and that's that's the thing I discovered about my when I was searching myself because I had to go through the process of self discovery, and I found out that everything is connected. You know, all these things are connected some way. It's what you do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who you are. Yeah. A theme for your life. Right. Right. And it's exciting. <laughs> it is very exciting. Now, okay, in our closing minutes, can you tell us um, where people can get in touch with you if they can? Sure. 
Um, on my website, on the contacts page, is my phone number and imagineunlimited at gmail.com. That's also there. I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook. So if you search for me, Yosef Israel, Imagine Me Unlimited, you'll find me. That's a very strong name. Yosef, yes. Yeah, yes. it really is. <laughs> now I have to live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and, and lastly, can you give us some, uh, take us out with some words of wisdom or words of hope or some things that, um, you know, that we can leave, uh, leave behind? So um, I was thinking of this quote last night I was, as I was driving. Um, someone who is unaware of his ignorance will be misled by his knowledge. Ooh, that was deep. <laughs> mm, I like that. Yeah. Oof. So in, in the face okay. of everything that's going on, uh, that um, it, we want to get information. Mm. We want to get understanding. And from that point, we will have a better way of making decisions of, of moving forward. So, um, that, you know everything, right? Right. There, there's a, there's a. One of my favorite movies was I Robot, and in that movie with Will Smith, and uh, when the when the professor he, he when he was called to investigate the professor's death, and the hologram of the professor came up, and he said to him. You have to ask the right questions. Mm. You have yeah. to ask the right questions. And when he asks the right questions, that is the right question. So we're trying to get to the questions that we need to ask in order to get the answers that we need. You are a good I, man, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. And hopefully we can have you back on again. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Thank I appreciate you. it. Yeah. And uh, say hi to Pikesville for me. <laughs> I will. <laughs> thank you. It was great stay meeting all of you. Stay safe. Stay I safe. will. And, and thank you. That's our show for the week. Yes. Wow. That was it. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate Bye. it. Yes. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. We'll see you next time on. Well, thanks, everybody. Talk soon.